welcome to another episode of Orange, Black, and Beyond, where we talk about uh, Oregon State University sports, with our focus being especially on the sports that don't get as much attention as football and men's basketball. Although it is that time of year, we will be certainly giving attention to the men's basketball team and the incredible run they had at the tournament this year. Uh, I'm Brian, OSU class of 1996. My, ho- my co-host here is Pete. OSU class of 1993. Hello, Brian. Yeah, ton of basketball to talk about, both men's and women's. And uh, there's a lot of other stuff going on with sports currently in season than the ones that just wrapped up and finished up the postseason and that stuff. Also, a little bit of news in the administration uh, just with the uh, university president resigning and transfers as well. So there's there's yeah. a whole bunch to get to. It's uh, been a fun couple of weeks, though, with the basketball team, that's for sure. Uh, that's not all uh, that's happening, but we might as well start with some of the other things as appetizers and get to the big, delicious basketball entree. Yeah, sounds good. Um, let's first start off and mention golf, because the men's golf team went down to Eugene and won the Duck Invitational. Uh, it's always fun to go into the en- enemy territory and come away with a big, big win. Yeah. Uh, so this was a this was a big 15-team tournament. No issue won the event. Uh, perhaps uh, most satisfying is the host team came in second. We always yeah. like that. Uh, Spencer Tibbetts finished third individually, which is the eighth time in his career he finished in the top five and 13th time he's finished in the top 10, so good for him. Uh, OSU was the defending champion of this tournament uh, since, it was play- since it wasn't played last year due to COVID, and they uh, defended that crown admirably here at uh, Eugene Country Club. So congratulations to the men's golf team. Yeah, that's always great when you beat the the other team there. I, mean, I don't know if you saw that trophy on the uh, picture. I did not. Yeah, well, it's ugly as sin. It's, it's a full decked out green and yellow mascot sitting on the little platform. Uh, it's hideous. I, I don't even know if the golf team wants to put that in their trophy case or not. Maybe they can use it as a doorstop or something. But, I mean, it's always nice to get a win over the in-state rival. And then uh, this week, they took seventh at the Red Hawk Invitational at Chambers Bay in the Seattle area out of another 15 teams there. And freshman Mateo Fuenmayor shot the best round of his young career, which is awesome, put up a four under par 68. So just a good start to the men's golf season continues. So that's that's always good to see. And women's golf is kind of on, uh, on, the, on the way too now, aren't they? Yeah, so women's team paid a visit to the desert last week and took fourth in the ASU Sun Devil Sun Devil International. Uh, all, all the top five and top ten finishes for the golf team from the Mid-Willamette Valley are impressive when you really think about it. The weather is not great, and nope. a lot of these players come from the Pacific Northwest, so uh, if they can tough it out here and play good golf, then uh, they can go down the road, although... It must be really different playing in that desert heat. But uh, That's true. Well, it's a dry heat, but, uh, you know, <laughs> That's what they say. Uh, you know I'm going to tie basketball and golf together just for fun. We went to school the same time as NBA player Brent Berry. Uh, <clears throat> he was at Shout OSU. Out. Shout yeah. out to Brent. Yeah, and um, now he's on the NBA Network, I think, as a commentator. But uh, anyway, he lived in Finley Hall same time as I did. And uh, one of my favorite and at the same time least favorite memories at OSU was one time Brent's mom came to visit uh, from California, and, and they needed a fourth for golf over at Tristing Tree. So they invited me, which was really nice of them, and I didn't want to turn them down because that seemed like that'd be rude. But, you know, Brent's a good golfer, and his mom is really good. I think she actually played in college, uh, and I am not good at golf. So it was pretty mm-hmm. embarrassing. Um, 
But the best thing that Brent's mom said uh, to me, she was really straining to be polite. And uh, she just said, well, Pete, you play really, uh, really interestingly. Um, so she was trying hard to be polite because I'm terrible at golf. But, you know, when it's just some guys from the dorm, it's no big deal. But when you're one guy playing with the other people that actually play and the guy and his mom are both good, it's, it's, it's kind of being terrible kind of stands out. Yeah, it may not make you feel any better, but uh, you kind of stood out among random bad golfers from the dorm, too. So, oh, yeah, I, I'm not good at golf. I, I you know, sue me, right? I mean, yeah, <laughs> but it's always fun, anyways, right? And, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, most people are not good at golf, so, anyways, so moving on to other sports, let's get into soccer. Uh, the Pac 12. Again, another sport where the Pac-12 is a difficult, difficult conference. It really is. Um, the women's soccer team has had some really tough matches this season, but they had a tie against Cal, the number 22 team in the country last week. Uh, earlier, they lost to Stanford, who, by the way, is the number 23 team in the country. So, um, you know, they're, they're making progress. And then the men were up to number three in the country before last week, uh, where they lost a 2-1 game to, to the Huskies. Uh, who came into the game ranked number four in the country. So, again, just one of those sports, again, like similar to basketball, where the Pac-12 is just a difficult, difficult conference. Um, on the 28th, the Beavs played Cal, and despite out shooting the Bears 25-9, Cal hung on for a win 1-0. So it's just a tough conference up and down. That's just all there is to it, right? So, Yep. Yeah, well, I was still very glad to have sports back just to enjoy the conference itself. Uh, got a couple more regular season things going on uh, before we get into all the postseason fun and less fun. Uh, women's <clears throat> track and field team, they had a three-team meet with Western Oregon and uh, Humboldt State, and the Beavers won that one. The highlights included a sweep of the top three spots in the 100-meter hurdles and the top four in the 1500. I think what we've really enjoyed the last couple of seasons has been the mm -hmm. throwers just because yep. they throw heavy stuff really far. And it's yeah, really, really far. Yeah, so Beavers have some really good throwers the last couple of years, and that continued this meet. Uh, Lindy, Lindsay McShane won the hammer throw at 59.83 oh, meters. Um, Keely McLaughlin took first in both the discus and shot put, so she's off to a nice Star Trek team. Is getting rolling. Uh, men's rowing starts up pretty soon, and women's rowing had a nice outing in Columbus, Ohio. Actually, they took the uh, took first in the varsity four. So, um, and then the couple of, took a couple other of uh, second places as well. So that was that was really nice. We got a couple other regular seasons, and then we can get into the postseason, I guess. Yeah. So, so both softball and baseball in full steam in the Pac-12 schedule. Uh, the softball team went down to Tucson last week and faced the always good Arizona Wildcats. Uh, Arizona's ranked number nine in the country, and they swept the Beavers in a three-game series. Um, when baseball started, we were concerned. A lot of fans were concerned that all that after scoring all those runs in the surprise Arizona games, that the bats went quiet. Um, they came when they came back to Corvallis, particularly in. So in the, the uh, non-conference series against the team from Eugene, again, not understanding why that's non-conference. I don't understand that, no. Um, which they lost two games to one. So, But certainly seems like they righted the ship, doesn't it? Oh, my goodness, yeah. They are, they're hitting the ball very much right now, which is encouraging because the pitching and defense have been there since the jump. And now um, 
the bats finally must have got arrived from Surprise Arizona. It's a, they started off the Pac-12 season 5-1. They took a series from Washington State to start. Then last week, they swept the Huskies up in Seattle yep. in a big shocker. It rained on Sunday in, in Seattle, so they had to move the game to Monday. Uh, pitching and defense have just always been hallmarks of Beaver baseball all the way back to the Pat Casey era. It was their stock and trade during the transition year under Coach Bailey. Um, and that was the frustrating year where they played amazing but then couldn't hit when they needed to. And now under Coach Canham, they're uh, seeing that too where they're starting to hit the ball, but the pitching and defense have been there all along. Kevin Abel, Jake Fennings, Cooper Jerpy, they've just been just filthy. And uh, the guys in the pen have been awesome too. Jake Mulholland just been lights out as the closer. So uh, Beaver's fielding percentage has been amongst the best in the conference and the country so um, it's nice to get the bats coming along, too. They must have asked Joe Boo to come uh, and uh, take the fear from the bats because, I mean, they've just been unloading. Joe Casey is raking right now. Uh, also, uh, great uh, infielder Garrett Forrester, who, by the way, uh, both Garrett Forrester and one of the pitchers, for one reason or another, his name escapes me, it's, they both have amazing hair, which I don't know if that helps as a player or not. But it, but, does, uh, it can't hurt. It can't hurt, right? And uh, Forrester's just been busting out the whooping stick the last couple of games. They had a midweek non-conference game with the University of Portland on the 30th. They won that 7-1. to Ryan Ober hit a bomb. Uh, Jacob Melton from my hometown of Medford, a South Medford Panther like myself, smacked his first career home run as well. I mean, it's early, of course. Uh, baseball is, is a long season, but, uh, you know, Beavers are now sitting first place in the conference at 5-1, and one, 18-5 and five overall. And they have a, a series starting up tonight, actually. Um, but, oh, yeah, and Kevin Abel um, worked the first six innings of a four-pitcher no-hitter that they threw against wow. Washington last week. So it took four guys because Abel's still kind of on a pitch count with the recovery from the Tommy John surgery. And then the guys from the bullpen also didn't allow a hit. So Beavers wow. had a no-hitter last week against the Huskies, and uh, Abel worked the first six. Mulholland worked the ninth. So... Wow. Um, things are looking good uh, for the the baseball team at this point. You know, got uh, another Pac-12 series starting up uh, today. Now we can get into the postseason, I guess. That's regular season. Yeah, so, yeah, so a lot of stuff going on in the postseason. So first, uh, gymnastics team finished fifth in the Pac-12 championships. Right. Uh, strong finish to the regular season, even though they didn't win all their meets. They put up some big numbers, some record numbers for them. Um, they kept that up in the conference championship. And the effort was good enough to get them invited to the regionals as the number 24 seed. And they'll be going tomorrow afternoon against the eight seed Minnesota, nine seed Denver. Um, if they make the top two overall teams tomorrow and Saturday, then they'll go on to the national championship. So um, uh, also of note, gym, gymnast Lena Green is a semifinals for the Arthur Ashe Sports Scholar Award. Um, over a thousand student athletes were nominated at the beginning of the school year and Lena Green is one of the final four. So congratulations to her, uh, bioengineering major from Tigard. Um, let's see one more postseason note, uh, before I talk, I guess, how did, how did the wrestlers do? Well, uh, they had six wrestlers get to nationals. Four of those guys made it through the first day and on into the second day. Uh, unfortunately, though, second day, it's single elimination, so all four lost a match at some point and had their seasons come to an end. But there were some highlights. Devin Turner won his first match at 133 against the number 18 wrestler in the country at that weight. 
Then he lost uh, the number seven, um, Lucas Bird from Illinois. Grant Willits won his first match at 141, but lost his second. Then Hunter Willits at 157 had a big win in his first match. He won 13 to two, but then he encountered the fifth ranked wrestler in the country from Iowa and he lost his next match five to one. And also, unfortunately, uh, Ryan Reyes at 184 lost his first match of the day. So that's when his season came to the end. So, uh, is there anything going on with basketball? I think there was. Yeah, yeah <laughs> just, was. just yeah, both yeah, little bit something going on with basketball, right? Uh, both 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 teams had good runs. The the women's team had a really tough seating. That was a brutal practice. Right, right into a buzzsaw in the second round. Um, but let's before we talk about that, let's talk about the men's team. The improbable, impressive run the men's team ha- has had. Um, first, they won the Pac-12 tournament from basically nowhere, yeah. beating three top 25 ranked teams on the way. The, then as a 12 seed, made it all the way to the Elite Eight before losing to Houston. That was one great run. I mean, that- It really was. I mean, Houston is a fantastic defensive team. Great, great, great rebounding team. And that's, that's one thing Kelvin Sampson has always had as part of his offensive schemes at Washington State. Um where he won, the dude won at Washington State. Uh-huh. You know, uh, yeah. uh, you know, the outposts that are Corvallis and Pullman. It's it's tough to win, man. And the yeah. guy won a lot of games at Washington State, uh, Oklahoma. He won, and at Indiana uh, before there was a little bit of uh, recruiting shenanigans going on, and he got fired. But um, uh, you know, at Houston, it's just aggressive offensive rebounding. One guy shoots, four guys go after the ball. Yeah. You know. And uh, he has a team built for that this year, and they just dominated the Beavers on the glass, unfortunately. 20, 20, 20, I can't even wrap my head around, 20 offensive rebounds. That's just, you're not going to overcome that unless you have a ridiculous night shooting yourselves. And the Beavers had a good night in the second half, but uh, you're just not going to overcome that. Yeah. Uh, especially the, the first half, they only scored 17 points and found themselves down by 17 at halftime. But, you know, that's... That's one thing that was the most impressive about this team because it would have been easy to roll over and play dead and, you know, hang your head and say, well, that's it. But these guys, I mean, you know, the 12 seed and you make it to the Elite Eight, you're kind of playing with house money anyway. So why not go for it? And they did. They just stuck the pedal to the floor in the second half. And uh, they just, you know, they didn't have any answers for the offensive rebounds. And then uh, they, but they tied the game up. And what was it like? Six, seven minutes left when they tied the game yep. up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, it, so they were on the verge of a, com- a comeback. But like what you said is is right. Like it, they just couldn't get over that momentum hump when they, you know, the other team misses a shot and they get two or three more shots right after it. Uh, it's just it's just yeah, hard. To that, was, that was that was the hardest part, I think, especially yeah. the first half. I think if I remember right, eleven. Second and third chance points. Yeah. You, know, it, it was but, uh, you know, the, you just got to take your hats off to the Beavers for the way that they uh, came back and fought and they stayed cool. They didn't get upset. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, bad calls, bad anything. They just were unflappable. And, and that starts, I think, really with the senior leadership they had from Ethan Thompson because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, he was the offensive leader all year long, but he had just a just a tough night um, shooting the basketball. He couldn't get free. Uh, so he couldn't really get, get any good shots up 
but he just kept with it. And, uh, you know, the first round game they, against Tennessee, they were in command most of the way. Mm-hmm. In the second round, they just hit Oklahoma State right in, in the face and caught them off guard. And then they hung in there and took the best shot when OSU tried to come back on OSU. And they won that one. Then in the Loyola game got pretty hairy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you, when the Ramblers got in front, then Sister Jean was, uh, you know, uh, doing her thing I, on the sideline. I thought it was going to be over then, but they came back. and Yeah. They know. just kept hanging in there, and they defended hard. They made the big shots when they needed them. Uh, and this is one of my favorite things, too. You know, um, Wari Dalatiche, not a good free throw shooter. Right. But against Loyola, when they needed it most, he hit two in a row. Yep. You know. And statistically, he's about a one out of two free throw shooter, but he, you know, both of them. And he just stepped up to the line, took a breath, knocked him down, you know. And so that was just, uh, just, you got to love the sandpaper this team played with. That was the thing. I mean, you know, talk about Ethan Thompson, um, the passing, the ball handling, the slashing ability, get those short mid range jumpers, but. Uh, what impressed me is just he's tough, man. Just a lot of grit. He got knocked around by the opponents, but he kept coming back. Now, unfortunately, he's a senior, so yeah. he won't be back next year. Um, but they only had four seniors. Uh, unfortunately, their backcourt was both seniors in Thompson and Reichel. Um, and then the big man, Roman Silva, and then Ahmad Ron are also seniors. But um, So they're going to be gone. But uh, But barring transfers... Or really bad advice, you know, Maurice Kalou, who's the ultimate stretch four, because he's here, he's a guy, he's 6'10", 250, and he's going out there and just bombing threes and making them. Um, he was a great pickup. And uh, yeah. they'll have uh, Jared Lucas, this sharpshooter, they'll have him back. And uh, he was like, what, the number two or number three all time in the state of California, which is a big state. Yes, <laughs> uh, in, in uh, scoring points in in California high school history, he'll be back. Um, and you and I have watched basketball a long time. I mentioned Warith Alatiche. I'm excited about that guy. He might yeah, be the he, most athletic player the Beavers yeah. have had since uh, Corey Benjamin. You know, um, once he develops a shot, he's going to be pretty special. I think so. Uh, now, he's from Houston, and his parents are personal friends of Akeem Olajuwon. They go to the same mosque, and Akeem is Alatiche's basketball idol because they're both from Nigeria. He grew up in Houston. They have the Nigerian connection, and then his parents go to the same mosque as, as Akeem. Now, but if Alatiche hits the weights hard and puts in some more muscle, develops a shot, he could just be a force to be reckoned with in the pack. Pac-12 next year, uh, depending on uh, you know the rest of the backcourt. I mean, John, Johnny Hunt is fantastic, and Tariq Silver can shoot the three. So you know, if Alatiche, I, I'm I was just impressed as heck with this guy. Uh, obviously, I keep mentioning him. Uh, yeah, so, no, I'm just fun to watch too. I mean, yeah, I mean the, that's what impressed me too. Like watching the games because I haven't watched a lot of men's games was right. The, you know, the starting five would do their thing and and like you were saying Ethan Thompson had a rough shooting night and I think even against Loyola he had a tough first half yeah did. Um, but guys would come off the bench and these guys seeming like uh, like guys I never heard of kind of out of nowhere these guys are doing stuff and you're like yeah wow so so you're right I think there is a lot of promise for these guys next year yeah and you know so I'm just looking forward to them and and 
you know, with Hunt and Lucas uh, only being sophomores, yep. they could develop into a really good backcourt. Yeah. And then you you toss in Tariq Silver as well. So that's that could be a really good backcourt because you can already see it in Lucas. He's he's uh, he's got a pretty good amount of grit to him, and um, and he is not afraid to take a shot. No, that's he not is, afraid to shoot the ball at all. A hundred percent confidence in his shots. Yeah. So um, that's you know it's encouraging and and just really impressive. And Coach Tinkle did an amazing job. And you know there've only been two NCAA appearances by the Beavers men's team since 1990. And both times the coach was named Wayne Tinkle. So I don't know what his contract status is, but uh, well, uh, um, I think he, the- yeah. So I think he got, he has a year at, added to the contract That's automatically good. by going to the tournament. And it, so I think he's through 2023 or 2024 or something like that. I can't Excellent. Remember. Cause that's, uh, you know, well, it's, you know, hopefully it quiets the critics, right? Because I, you know, I was just, we talked about this last year, right? I was astonished there were so many people that were criticizing him as a coach and like calling for new coaching. And I, we were, we, you know, we talked about this last year. It's like, what, what do you, you know, we're not a. Yeah, and they, they didn't make any tournament last year, but uh, they had a winning season. They yeah. had five winning seasons in so, seven years. Yeah, so I don't understand like the fan base who, who has been kind of like criticizing him as a coach. Like, where did, what do they think we're going to do, you know, being the school that we are, right? We're not yeah, going to get okay, out. Well, like, goodness, see, yeah. Like, Bobby Knight will just come out of retirement. and Yeah. Like it know. just doesn't work that way. So no. it'd be interesting. So, you know, coach Krzyzewski was going to retire at Duke, but instead but he'll go coach at Oregon. He's going to fly all the way across country. And no, that just, you know, we got to have a little bit of realistic. And, and the thing is that coach Tinkle has shown he's perfect for this program. It's just like when he was at Montana, you know, he built that team to win the conference tournament and then be good enough to get a look from the NCAA, you know, and that's, that's, that's what he does. And, uh, so I just have to admire what he's done. So that's, that's kind of what the men's team I'm excited about. We're all excited about next year because they had such a good, uh, postseason. Now the women's team had their postseason come to an end because, well, shoot, they, they, in the Pac-12 season tournament, they finish by playing Stanford, so that's a loss. And then they get through the first round of the NCAA tournament. Right, where they dominated fourth. Florida State. Like, they did a good yeah. job handling business against Florida State. They really handled business against Florida showed, State. You know, showed, like we talked about, they were not eight or nine seed like no. they proceeded. They should have been more like a four, five, or six. Yeah. I think that showed. Um, and again, just, you know, just the, the bigger picture, the Pac-12 that we talk about, who's in how many, uh, you know, half the teams in the Final Four are from the Pac-12. Yeah. And this brings me back to last year because I remember you were talking about, you know, watch out for what Adia, um, Adia Barnes was going to do. Right? Yeah, as a coach. And <laughs> she's there, right? She's yeah, in, in her, she's was, the Final her Four. Second or third year, and, yeah. and they're in the Final Four. Yeah. You know. So, yeah, that's so, I mean, it, it, the Pac-12 is just tough. We, we say that more and more, and particularly Oregon State, you know, they just ran into Stanford and South Carolina, yeah. who are great teams. And, it, you know, what, what gives Oregon State trouble, and I, I, I was exchanging tweets with some of the reporters, was that yeah. if Oregon State could handle the upfront defensive pressure, 
then they're in good shape. And I think that's what they ran into with South Carolina. South Carolina put so much on-ball pressure um, that they couldn't get into their offensive flow and take advantage of what the Beavers do. And so that's kind of what hurt them a bit. And South Carolina just does that, right? I mean, they were all over the Beavers. Um, so, again, good job to both teams this year. Uh, they're really looking forward to what they're going to do next year. So, but uh, yep. again, Pac-12 is tough, tough. So we'll Just see. Monster teams, yeah. And yeah. Uh, saw that Aaliyah Goodman has decided to uh, not take the freebie COVID year of eligibility. She's going to move on after this year. Um, you know, she she had the free year if she wanted to come back and play, she could. But she's said she's not going to. And uh, I saw also. Uh, Sasha Goforth is in the transfer portal. So let's. Yeah. So, so yeah, I mean, dashing many hopes of Beaver Nation, Aaliyah Goodwin did announce either yesterday or the day before that she is uh, leaving. It was a very nice social media post thanking a lot of people. Um, uh, but she is going to be moving on. And I know some of us were kind of clinging to the hope that she might hang out. But, you yeah. know, for her, she's decided to move on. We wish her the best. Um, I do have in the back of my mind that, you know, among the players that have gone through the program, I just see that you just sort of see that she could, if she wanted to get into coaching and she could come back as a coach someday. Right. That's kind of be really cool to see something like that, but um, you know, good luck to good luck to Leah. And then as you mentioned, Sasha Goforth entered the transfer portal to head closer to home. And she did like, she's going to be a Razorback. She announced that last night, I think. Um, so she's going to be in Arkansas, basically right at home where she's from. Um, I think just the stress of, from being home away from home is always tough. Um, I think especially the oh, last yeah. year for everybody. So I think she probably recognized she wants to play and be at home in front of her family. So definitely sad to see her go. But again, best wishes yeah. uh, to her. Um, she was always uh, she's amazing to watch. So and you know the thing was too, you if you're Coach Ruick and you're thinking about how it would have been next year having Sasha go forth and TVO and then. Um, the yeah, nice young right. lady from uh, the number three player in the nation whose name escapes me for right yeah, now. Right, a Cam Schroeder's coming. So yeah, there we go. You know, a lot of play, a lot of the roster was going to be. You know, the roster is still stacked, but yeah, you know, obviously, but again, you know, good for her. She's she wanted to go home, and that's where she's landing. So, um, and then finally, Jasmine Simmons, the the guard from Australia, decided that she's going home a year early. Um, another player that's I'm sad to see leave. I was really enjoying watching the growth in her game, her defense. So, so um, you know, best wishes and thank you to Jasmine for uh, yeah, no kidding. Now, I was saddened to hear about this, but so apparently online, I just heard about this today. Yeah, um, I was really saddened to hear that there's some negative comments from a few people at Beat from Beaver Nation about uh, these players leaving. Um, and Sasha, so much so that Sasha's father posted on Twitter saying that there was some negative uh, vibes and questioning her parent, you know, how her parents raised her and she committed and all this BS. And, and to those fans, I just want to say that there's just no need for that, right? I mean, um, my view is these young people have earned, you know, and I think that's probably the different view. Some of these people are like, well, they were given an opportunity and they need to right. hold, you know, all this kind of bs and i say these people earned 
the opportunity that got put in front of them. And, they, and, and you know, they're the ones playing, they're the ones that have been practicing all their lives to do this. Um, and for sure, getting a scholarship is a privilege, but it is one that they earned. Right. So they can do with those opportunities what they think is best for them and their family. So, right. um, you know, if the, it, so for all of them, you know, it's just this best wishes to the three of them. And that's just the cycle of college sports, right? Players stay yeah. around long enough and then they move, they move on, right? Because they're kids, you know? Well, yeah. So. And, you know, it's not that, that different from the working world either. I mean, you yeah. know, if uh, you have a job, but a better job comes along or a job that makes more sense, not better, better is maybe the, you know, but, yeah, right. Like if, if you a different find opportunity a job that, that makes more sense. Yeah, that you might be more passionate about. That maybe you want to move home. Maybe you know those are all things that just go on in life. So yeah. I don't understand these people who are upset. And I've always, you know, I'm I'm sad that I don't always made things unnecessary unnecessarily complicated yeah. in transferring. And I think that the transfer portal is starting to alleviate that. Even though I still don't understand exactly how it works, but. Um, well, it's the NCAA. Who knows how it really works? Right? Speaking of which, okay, I know we got some other. But did you see that the men's team didn't get a hotel room uh, after they lost in the Elite Eight? The NCAA yes. decided not to pay for another night for I them to stay. The they didn't catch a plane at like midnight or one in the morning. Yeah. Instead of staying there in Indiana. Well, I, so this is what I heard: as I heard that the women's team had the same situation. Okay. At that that as soon as they lost, they went back and they're like, "Pack up your shit, let's get you guys got to go home." Type situation, That's which is crazy. totally classless from the NCAA. You you add in the disparity between the, the way the the men the men's tournament and the women's tournament were equipped in terms of weight rooms, facilities, etc., gift bags, all that stuff. Um, you you add that in, and you start to see how classless the NCAA can really be. About yeah, you know, it's not like, I mean, granted, the, the men's tournament makes the organization a lot more money. However, it's not like they're not turning a profit on women's basketball. It, well, it, ESPN and all the other it, stuff. That, exactly. And what people need to realize, and this is some stats I just saw, was that the UConn-Baylor women's basketball game this week on was the most watched uh, NCAA tournament game. It is yeah. the most, it was the most spoken about on social media, right? And for those that don't know, there's controversial play at the end that people like LeBron James and like NBA players were like, no, that was a foul. That was not called. You got to call that. That's how controversial. So there's a lot of people watching. And so hopefully the NCAA gets the message that, um, you know, women's basketball is just as exciting and deserves the uh, promotion and all the all the things that go with it, just like anything else. And oh, by the way, that's the law, so they have to treat it equally anyway. Well, and then right? the other aspect of that too is one thing: uh, the transfer portal impacts it a little bit, but the women's players mm -hmm. are far more likely to stay four years and develop team chemistry. Because, you know, they can't do the one-and-done. Well, I guess theoretically they could. I mean, uh, what's the lady that played down the road last year that uh, her, got injured in her rookie season? Um, 
that's how quickly we forget the the best player that uh, they've ever had down the road. Oh, Sabrina. Yeah, Sabrina. Right. So so Sabrina could have theoretically turned pro. Um, uh, I, I think. Well, she could have turned pro. In I think the WNBA has different rules. Right. And so, uh, but you know the point of it is that they have to. Um, they are more likely to stay for a long period of time and coalesce as a team. And that, as a byproduct of that, is a better product to watch. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And I, and I was, it's funny, I was, uh, you know, like you said, Dia Barnes is in the Final Four. So is Don Staley. So that's historic, too, right? So you have two women of color, former WNBA players that are coaching teams in the Final Four for the first time ever yeah and i i tweeted somebody that i really think at some point you're going to hear the the headline former wnba player and president of the united states because to your point these women are staying four years sometimes five years if you look at somebody like michaela pivik last year she stayed four years and she had a master's degree right right so like these are highly educated success-oriented people who know how to work in teams and know how to get things done. Um, I think they're going to be good leaders. So, 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 so I think people need to keep that stuff in mind. Uh, but even with the three players leaving uh, the roster for Oregon state, again, it could change. Like you're saying the transfer portal being what it is, a bunch of stuff could change. Um, so that the, the roster is looking like senior, senior Taya Corsdale, Junior Taylor Jones, Kennedy Brown should be back from her knee, knee injury. Andrea Kinos is a redshirt junior. Noel Mannon's a redshirt sophomore. Right. Uh, Elena Mitrovich will be a redshirt sophomore. Uh, Talia von Olhoffen, I don't know what the term's going to be. Is she a second-year freshman or a sophomore? You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know what how they're going to term that, but she's going to be around. Um and then, you know, Savannah Samuels would be a sophomore, and I really love her game. I really like her game. Um, and then they're going to be joined, like you alluded to, Greta Kampschroeder at guard. And then there's no word on if Ellie Mack and Giovanna Sebasic are going to stay for the extra year of eligibility or not. So we'll see what happens. Um, and then in other news, uh, so Tamia Gardner committed to OSU in the last couple of weeks. So She's in the class of 2022. Uh, again, re- another t- really top, high, highly ranked recruit coming to Oregon State. So um, the incoming class of 2022 looks pretty strong with Adley Blacklock, Tamia Gardner, and Reagan Beers coming to OSU. So again, you have good recruiting year for 2021, another re- good recruiting year so far for 2022. That's exciting stuff. And uh, so that's, that's what just happened and what has gone on. Now there is stuff coming up i mean yeah. baseball has a three-game set with utah uh thursday friday saturday that'd be tonight tomorrow and saturday and uh you know oftentimes the utah schools if it's utah or byu they don't play on sundays uh although utah you university of utah i think plays on sundays but uh sometimes yeah. byu does not but um i think it has more to do with the fact that it's easter this weekend so yeah. um that's uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday instead of Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Jack Washburn gets the ball tonight, and then probably Abel and Jerpy on the weekend. And then softball has 
four games in three days, <laughs> uh, two on Saturday, one today, two on Saturday, one on, uh, 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 let's see, I had it. <laughs> yeah, one, one, one today, one tomorrow and two Saturday, I think, is the schedule if I, uh, I got that right. Yeah. They're playing the team from down the road, uh, who is number three in the country. So that's going to be a battle. Um, so if you can get down to Corvallis and cheer on the Beavers, against the green and yellow team. That'd be great. Uh, that one is going to be televised on the PAC 12 network as well. Uh, spring football practice is starting in about a week. Spring, uh, actually football pro day was today. Uh, yeah. soccer teams have a few more conference games left. The men are taking on UCLA this weekend in Southern California. Uh, the women are hosting Colorado and Utah gymnastics has regional starting tomorrow. Good luck to them. A track team is going to the Hayward premier, uh, volleyball wraps up their season against Utah on tonight and Saturday. So that's, yeah. that's what's going on. I mean, there's still plenty yeah. happening, even though basketball season is over. It uh, the world yeah, and, it keeps turning. Yeah, and I do want to throw out. You know, today is today is opening day for baseball, right? For Major League Baseball, and there are four Beavers on. Um, yeah, four, uh, four Beavers. In fact, Matt Boyd picked up a win today. Yeah, against, uh, the Indians uh, pitching for the Tigers, and then Nick Madrigal, Mike Conforto. And uh, Drew Rasmussen are all in the yep. big leagues, so that's that's always cool too. So yeah, it's always cool. To see. I think uh, you know there's been a lot of uh, a lot of talk about Madrigal as a possible rookie of the year because technically he didn't play that many games last year. So I don't know. There's a certain number of you can play a certain number of major league games and then still be eligible for rookie of the year. So it's kind of like playing so many games and you're still a red shirt. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and so Madrigal, uh, his glove has been amazing. His uh, base, you know, base running's been good, and the bat catches up. He's just going to be a really solid professional yep. second baseman, and so that's really exciting to see too. And um, so, uh, yeah, lots of luck to those guys. Yeah, good luck to those guys. So that's about it for another episode of Orange, Black, and Beyond. Um, thanks everyone for joining us. We'll continue to. Uh, cover the sports as long as they're going to play them that don't get all the uh, media attention and of course some of the sports that do so uh until next time go beeves go beeves <laughs>